Welcome, and thank you for joining this week's podcast with the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. With great insight, the Archbishop reveals the significance of relationship and understanding the power of interdependence. Discover how to overcome the enemy's use of distrust and identify your destiny helpers. Understand how to navigate successfully through life's challenges with the Archbishop's book, Don't Fight the Process. Get your copy today at ndwministries.org. Know today that this is God's word of upliftment for you. Be encouraged as you listen. Relationship. Relationship is critical to every success in life requires relationship. The mentality or the mindset that all I need is God is not true. You need more than God. Even God needed man. And even Jesus had need of man after having favor with God the Father. The Bible said and Jesus had favor with God and favor with man. When the enemy wants to destroy an individual, the first thing he does is to sow a seed of distrust. That's the first thing. Came to Adam and Eve and said, hey, God cannot be trusted. God don't want you to be wise like he is. And that's why you are commanded not to eat the fruit of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because you know in the day that you eat it, you'll be wiser like God. Distrust. That was the first seed sown by the enemy. Tell somebody, I trust you. We've been told and taught over the years that people must end our trust. And in a way it's true, but it's half truth. That is man's way of getting to know people. But the right way of bringing the best out of people is to trust them or to make them know and believe that you trust them and believe in them anyway. And I find out over the years that when you tell people you have to end my trust, you are reinforcing the seed of distrust. You are telling them you are a suspect. I don't trust you. I'm watching you. Prove yourself. And sometimes when people know that they are not trusted, they have the tendency of not caring anyway. Because you don't trust me anyway. But when you trust people and they know you trust them, most times it's difficult for them, unless they are possessed by a demon, 
it's very difficult for them to betray you. Joseph told the master's wife that because I need you to listen to me very carefully. Please listen. It's very, very important that you listen. Because your husband, trust me, I can't do this wickedness. He trusts me. He's entrusted everything he has to me. He doesn't even know what he has. But I, I can't violate that trust. If Potiphar didn't trust Joseph, it would have made it easy for Joseph to be tempted. But because of the absolute trust he had in Joseph, it was difficult for him to violate that trust and betray the master by sleeping with his wife. He said, I can't do this. It's too much. Tell somebody, I trust you. You don't have to end my trust. You can end my, you can end distrust, but not trust. I trust you. I'm putting my trust in you to say that you have the power and the ability to kill me if you want to, or to keep me alive if you want to. The choice is yours, but there are consequences. If you if I entrust my life into your hands and you destroy me, you pay for it. You never go unpunished. We have to teach our children consequence or consequences. When you hear in Europe, in North America, children have the audacity to tell their father and their mother, leave my room. I don't want to talk to you. I want to be alone. Get out of my room. Get what? Out of where? The room that I pay the bill? The clothes you are wearing is my money? Including your underwear? The food in your stomach is my money? When you use the, when you use the toilet and you flash, it's my money you are flashing. The English you are speaking is a result of my money paid your school fees and you have the audacity to tell me I don't want to talk to you I want to be alone get out of my room you will get out not me but you see these young ladies don't understand that there are consequences of that action that one day you will become a mother and your kids will treat you worse than that these young men think they live in a society that gives them freedom and liberty to do as they please that at the age of 18 you can divorce your father and your mother so you can tell your mother and your dad dad I don't want to talk to you leave my room I just want to be alone alone for what do you know what it means to be alone loneliness idleness being alone being isolated is one of the greatest weapons of the enemy to isolate an individual. People are dying. I'm talking about believers. I'm not talking about unsafe people. I'm not talking to unsafe people. I'm talking to church people. I've been preaching for 41 years by God's grace. And I've seen so many preachers and pastors and prophets and apostles and 
bishops and archbishops and men of God. There is a way the enemy can plant distrust and isolate you to your detriment and kill you. Whenever the devil wants to kill you, destroy you, the first thing he does is to sow the seed of distrust. And by that, he can isolate you and he has you. And most times the devil don't come at the people who aren't going nowhere. He goes for the best among us. He goes for the ones brilliant among the kids. Those who carry the legacy, the custodians of the family blessings, he goes for them. In order to isolate you, sow the seed of distrust. So people are afraid to be hurt, so they don't relate. Afraid to be vulnerable. But ladies and gentlemen, may I submit to you that in every relationship, you'll be vulnerable one way or the other. You will be vulnerable and you will be hurt and you will be offended. So if you are afraid of being hurt, being isolated, if you are afraid of being hurt, you'll be isolated. If you are afraid of being vulnerable, you'll be isolated. If you are afraid of being offended, you'll be isolated. And let me go further by saying this. This attitude that all I need is God is not true. Jesus needed more than God. He had God's favor, but he needed the favor of man in order to execute God's plan for him towards humanity. And may I submit to you that the key to your next level is in somebody's hands. The key to your next level is not in heaven. It's not with angels. It's with somebody. And may I also submit to you that God will use men and women to bless you and the devil will also use men and women to hurt you. And that is what it is. Because the devil knows that God does not operate in isolation or in a vacuum. God works through men to men. He uses men to bless men, men to help men. Because the devil knows that, he will always make sure that he attacks men and deploy men to hurt you, to offend you, so you never again trust anybody. And I've seen people in church, they love God, they believe in God, but they don't trust anybody. I know preachers who are very successful, very anointed, but they don't trust anybody, they won't relate to anybody, and they will stay that way and die and go to their graves prematurely. They will die prematurely because they think that being gifted, being skillful, being brilliant, being anointed, being successful is all that they need. You are joking. God never made any one of us to be an island to themselves. We are interdependent. You need me and I need you. And everybody needs somebody. Everybody, in your lifetime, you are going to need somebody one way or the other. Can you put your hands together and say yes? I don't care how gifted you are. Hear me. There come a time in all of our lives when the thing you trust in the most and what you lean on the most fails. Whether it's brilliant 
or his skill or anointing or prophetic powers or his money or success or influence or an anointing or in a gifting of money or wealth. There come a day and a time in your life when he fails and he has to fail so that you will see your need of another. And that is where humility comes in. Because you see, God resists the proud. And when I see people in life that forget in their life, Dr. Samuel, one of my spiritual fathers said something. He said, in this life, there are certain individuals you must never forget. If you are in this life, and there is nobody who can look you in the eye and say, talk to me. What's going on with you? Put aside your defenses. Remove your armor. Strip naked. Talk to me. If there's nobody that can talk to you in that way, you are a danger to yourself and to humanity. Tell me. All I need is God. I don't need anybody. You're lying. You're joking. God's original intent still stands. He has never been God's intention that anybody should be alone. We were made to be relational. You're always going to need somebody. And there are people in this world designed to be in your life to help you go to the next level. And sometimes they might not look like anything or be anything. I told them in the first service that some way, somehow God has always used women to bless me. I got born again through a woman, brought up in understanding of scripture through women, a woman. I've been through a lot. And some way, somehow, God, I've always used women to help me. Hear me. If, if you are going to make a difference in this life, eh, you always be misrepresented. And if you are afraid of being misrepresented, you never make a difference in this life. I'm telling you, I learned that long time ago. If you want to be in the good books of everybody and be praised by everybody and be liked by everybody, you will never attain to the heights of life. Please believe me. I'm telling you. You got to come to a place in life eh, where you are at peace with yourself. Because you see, God works through men, the devil works through men. And you must know when the devil is working and when God is working and when men are working. You must cultivate that capacity, discernment, to know. So come with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, mm -hmm. let us make man in our image. Who said? God. God said what? Let us make man. No, no, no. And God said, let me. Let me. Let me. But let us. Tell somebody, let us. Make this house. This church. 
This nation, a better place. This world, a better place for our kids. Let us, let us, let us. God didn't say let me, he said let us. Genesis 2 and 18. Genesis 2 and 18. And the Lord God said, uh -huh. it is not good that the man should it be alone. It is not good for the man or the woman to be alone. Hear me, he's not referring to marriage. That's not what God is referring to. This is more than marriage. He's just saying that the man I created and formed is created and formed to be relational. And in him, in him, I've made provision for what he needs to make him relational. So God put him to sleep and out of him came the woman that was already in him. We are interdependent. Turn to somebody and say, I've been thinking about something for a while now. And I just want to say it. You need me. Yeah. One of the reasons why a lot of brothers in the church can't approach the sisters is because there is something in their heart and they don't know how to say it. Say it. Yeah, just say it. Tell somebody, just say it, say it. And you know why some brothers are afraid to tell the sisters what's in their heart? They are afraid of rejection. Yeah. They're afraid. In this choir, years ago, there was a sister and a brother. They were in the choir. The brother would pick her to choir practice after taking her to the house and wasn't telling her anything. Then one day, the brother went and said, I'm going to a burrito to fast and pray. Do you have a prayer request? And the sister said, you are my prayer request. Do you know you are somebody's prayer request this morning? Turn to somebody and say, what is in your heart? Say it. You are looking at me. People are afraid of being rejected. They are afraid of being hurt. They are afraid of being vulnerable. So they hold back. This year, you have to learn to say it. And when you are saying it, say it with wisdom. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Tell somebody, it's not what you say, but how you say it. You need somebody. God said, it is not good for any man or woman to be alone. Being alone is suicidal. All I need is God. No, it's not true. You need more than God. You need man. Jesus had favor with God and with man. God says, son, I will give you favor. But without Favor with man, 
what I've called you to accomplish among men will never be done. So I'll give you favor. You're going to have favor with me. And you have favor with men. So men can accept you. And to have favor with men, you got to stop being selfish and thinking about yourself. You got to learn how to be hurt. And you have to learn how to forgive. I hear men because they married once or twice and they were disappointed. They make statements like this. I will never marry again. That is a self-imposed case. And I hear women. I'll never marry again. It's a self-imposed case. You have placed an injunction on the possibilities of the future. And your problem is that you haven't risen above your pain, your hurt, the feeling of betrayal and disappointment. You haven't faced your past. Yeah. Confront your past. You are not the last, neither will you, you are not the first nor the last that have been through what you've been through. The problem people have is they don't know how to confront shame. Shame. If you don't know how to deal with shame and despise shame, you will never rise to the pinnacles of life. Even the Son of God had to despise the shame. A lot of people don't know how to deal with shame and embarrassment. You talk about shame and embarrassment. Yes, I know what it is. You talk about betrayal. I deal with it every day. I go to places, I go to places and I see people and I can feel the energy, the negative energy of hatred and shame and despisement towards me. And I tell myself, I'm better than this. I'm better than this. I'm not going to allow this to have power over me. I'm walking above it. I'm rising above it. And I'll shake them and they'll hug me. And I can feel the negative energy towards me. And I don't let it touch me. And I know that it is not them. It's the enemy working through them. Think about betrayals. Do you know how many people I've raised and brought up who are pastors, prophets, apostles, bishops all over the world? that don't even remember me on my birthday or on Christmas. Do you know how many people I've taken to Europe and North America who are citizens of Europe and North America and I still have Ghanaian passport? And I can be citizen of North America if I want to. If I want to, I can be citizen of the United States. All my children are. My wife is, I can. But I choose to be a Ghanaian. If God wanted me to be an American, I would have been born in America. I know why God put me in Ghana, and I'm okay as a Ghanaian. And there is nothing wrong of me having a Ghanaian passport. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have an American passport. If you have the opportunity to have an American passport, go for it. You have an opportunity to have a European passport, a Canadian passport, go for it. There is nothing wrong. As for me, I choose to go the old ragged cross. That is my choice. Don't follow me. We are not the same. 
Then I tell my children, don't follow me. If I never go to Europe the rest of my life, or America, I'm fine. An old man, one of the sons, one of the fathers of my sons, the father said, the son said, Daddy, you need to come to London or the US. And the father said, Buckingham Palace, has it been relocated or is still at the same place? Then he said, White House, 16th Street, has it been relocated or is the same White House? He said, the same Buckingham Palace, same address, White House, same White House, same address. You know what he said? He said, there is nothing new in the West. We can have a White House in Ghana. We can have a Buckingham Palace in Ghana. If we stop all these divisions and do it together, we can make a difference. And we can, people can come to Ghana here to experience what we go to experience in Europe. See, I hear you. First John 1, 7. First John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light, mm -hmm. as he is in the light, we are fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we walk in the light, when the enemy wants to isolate you, he sows distrust in you, and you begin to walk in darkness. There is no way, there is no way you won't have fellowship with the brethren if you are walking in the light. I'm telling you. And whatever keeps you from having fellowship with the brethren is darkness, not light. The light compels you to flow with the brethren. And there is an automatic cleansing. This one, you don't have to confess your sin. If you walk in the light and fellowship with the brethren, there is an automatic cleansing and forgiveness of sin without confession of the sin. But that is already guaranteed if you have fellowship with the brethren. That's why the cell is so important. It is spiritual arrogance and pride for you to live in a community and not be part of the cell. A day will come in your life when you need the brethren in your community to stand in the gap. And if you have never been there for them, nobody will be there for you. Sometimes when I hear people get offended, eh, when it was uh, my wedding, nobody came. This big church, people didn't even come. And I lost a loved one and nobody came. Are you part of anything? Who knows you? Just because you come to church doesn't mean that we can make an announcement and people will come. If you are not part of anything, in the day of your need, nobody will come. Those who will come for you are those who know. If you live in a community and you are part of a cell, the people in the cell will be there for you. Lady called me at Christmas, said, I don't have anything for my children. So I called Bishop Johnny. I said, Bishop Johnny, let's find her some rice and things and help her out. But I said, do it through the cell leader. And the cell leader didn't know her. And she lives in a community. And I said, this is the problem. How can you live in a community and you have brethren in the community who can help you and you are not part of them? 
is spiritual arrogance and pride. That is what it is. And it's ignorance, it's darkness. You are walking in darkness, not in the light. Come with me to Luke 6, 38. Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Uh -huh. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give no. into your bosom. Stop there. Shall God give unto you? No. Shall God the Father give unto you? No. God the Son give unto you? No. God the Holy Ghost give unto you? Shall angels give unto you? No. Shall the 24 elders in heaven give unto you? No. But who? Men. Who? Do you know your reward and your harvest into his men? Do you know God is going to use men to bless you? So stop this. I don't need anybody. All I need is Jesus. I'm in love with Jesus. I'm married to Jesus. You are not married to any Jesus. Jesus is not married to you. He doesn't want to marry you. He's already married. Jesus is married to his church. So stop all this spirituality. I'm married to Jesus. Who told you Jesus is married to you? Jesus is not going to come and make love to you. So stop it. Tell somebody else, stop it, stop it, stop it. I'm married to Jesus. Jesus, you are my lover. You are my husband. Show me what I should wear. He ain't going to show you what to wear. Girl, you got to wear what you want to wear. Stop all this. Jesus is my lover and my husband. He nobody's husband. Jesus is married to the church. The church is his bride. So leave Jesus alone. He has a wife. You know what I said? You need somebody. Everybody needs. You know the problem of the, the strongest man that ever lived by the name of Samson? Samson's problem was not weakness. Samson was so brilliant, so anointed, so skillful, so strong, so successful, and had God on his side that he didn't need any man. And see, when the enemy wants to destroy, you know what he does? He separates you from your loved ones and those who truly loves you and make you dependent on those who will destroy you. And make you think that they are the only one who truly cares about you. People are taking advantage of you. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like people taking advantage of you, exploiting you, and using you. I understand you. I'm the only one that truly understands you. It's a lie. They are isolating you slowly, killing me softly, little by little by little, to the time where they, they win your trust. Like Delilah won his trust. And after Delilah has won his trust, Samson ran. And he said, it's too late. It's never too late to break loose. It's never too late to be free. It's never too late to be delivered. It's never too late to do the right thing. If you believe it, put your hands together and say yes, yes, yes. A lot of the drug addicts, you know how they get them? They put people in their life that make you believe that all you need is me. I'm all you have. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody understands you like I do. And I don't need anything from you. And they do that. They reject anything you have like they don't need it. It's a lie. 
It's just a matter of time. They are winning, waiting to win your love. And after they've won your love, they will strip you of everything. Luke 6, 38, that all I need is God. I've given God is going to bless me. Yes, he will. But the blessing, the reward, and the harvest is coming through somebody. Your miracle is in somebody's house. Tell two people, do you know your miracle is in somebody's house? Yes, your miracle is in somebody's hands. That is what made, makes us dependent on one another. God never gives the answers to one person. And you must be humble enough to see your need of another man. And as we go along the month of relationship, we will show you in the Bible, great men, kings in the Bible, generals, that God used nobodies to help them out. Yeah. So stop walking in this well, saying all I need is God. And, and when you have that kind of mentality, you begin to despise human beings. You begin to look down on people and feel like you don't need anybody. One of these days you will. Tell somebody, I trust you. Keep telling them I trust you until one day they'll truly believe it. For God called things which be not as though they were. So when God wants to put trust in you, that is how he does it. He wanted Abraham to become Abraham, father of many nations. He began to call him father of many nations, father of many nations, father of many nations, and he became the father of many nations. Some of my greatest sons and daughters in ministry today, the enemy attacked my relationship with them so bad at the early stages. And it was so painful and difficult to handle some of them in those early days. And I was bleeding, hemorrhaging, going through pain and will not give up on them some way, somehow. It's now that I understand when I see what they have become, I can appreciate why I had to go through what I went through and fought the way I fought for some of them. True fathers, true mothers don't kill their kids. And if you're a father here and a mother I'm talking to you, don't kill your children. And sometimes they'll vex you, they'll provoke you, but don't kill them. Don't curse them. The world is already difficult, waiting to mess them up. Don't curse them. Don't give them up to the world. Fight for them. And sometimes they'll provoke you. They'll vex you. Bible said that someone went to sow good seed. And when men slept, an enemy came and sowed tears. And then the servant said, Master, did you not plant a good seed? What happened? Listen to what the man said. An enemy has done this. Hey! Lift up your hand. Speak in tongue for one minute. Amen.
Listen, the enemy, eh, he goes for the best. He goes for the best in the family. What you gonna do? And that's why I've learned not to be critical of people. I've learned not to be critical of people's children. Because you can't blame a father. No mother, no father wants their children to go wayward. No father, no mother. Except they are demonic. That's why I'm not critical of anybody's children. Because sometimes eh, you can do all you know how to. And yet something will turn. And if you don't understand that an enemy has done this. It can take you before your time. And if you don't know how to, if you don't know how to despise the shame and embarrassment of public opinion, you amount to nothing in life. I have people in this church, all kinds of people in this church. They are here. And people don't know them, but I know them. And they know I know them, and they know I love them. I won't criticize you. I understand. I understand. And I want you to know that if ever you need a shoulder to cry upon, I have a large shoulder. You're welcome. And I'm not afraid of who you are. I'm not afraid of who you are, and I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of you. Because I know that God works miracles. He does work miracles, and I'm still believing for you. You need somebody. And stop being critical of other people's kids. People can sit in the church and look beautiful and handsome and pretty, and yet they are bleeding and hemorrhaging like a woman in her cycle. And it's easy for you to just talk and say, Look at them, look at him, look at her. How dare you criticize another man's children when your own is not an angel? Psalm 133. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is. The enemy don't like this. He don't like the good and the pleasantness of friendship and community and brotherhood. He don't like it. Go ahead. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Uh-huh. Synergy. Mm-hmm. It is like the precious ointment upon the head. It causes the oil to flow down when we are not together and we are divided and there is mistrust among us. It blocks the oil from flowing. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, mm -hmm. that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. You see, there is a blessing. We call it the commanded blessing. God commands. It's a blessing commanded. When God sees that oneness 
among us. He commands a blessing. The enemy don't want that blessing to come. So what he does is to plant the seed of distrust. Put a wedge between us. And we begin to doubt and distrust one another. And he stops the commanding blessing and he stops the oil from flowing. Hear me? As long as you live till you die, you are going to need somebody. I'm telling you. And you see, when, when I see people who never show an attitude of gratitude to God or man for what God used somebody to do in their life, it stops them from going to the next level. An attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving guarantees more and longevity. And people who forget the tools and the vessels that God used to bring you that far, you attract a curse. For he that repays good with evil, curse is he, and evil shall never leave his house. I'm telling you. You know why so many others are suffering in life? Because somebody was held and forgot that there are many like him who must be held and must keep the channel open and you show ingratitude to somebody who help you and have capacity to help others and you block the chances of others and they are crying to God, help! And God is saying, I've already provided the help. But the channel that will help you, somebody has blocked that channel. Do you know the curse that will come on you when you show ingratitude? You have no idea. You think you have arrived. You don't need anybody. And you forgot who helped you. Hey. Hey. It's caring. The implication is too much on you and your children and your descendants. It doesn't matter how brilliant you are. Samson was good at it. He didn't need anybody. And an enemy, an assassin, won his trust and killed him. And he died prematurely and didn't fulfill purpose. You know what? You need to find your divine helpers. You need to find them. And you never find them with odds, bitterness, Unforgiveness, pride, arrogance, pain, an attitude of I don't need anybody will cut you short. You need somebody. I need people. I need people. I need people. I can't accomplish what God has called me to do without people. God works through people. The devil works through people. You got to be smart to pray for people. Because if you don't pray for them, the devil will use them to hurt you. But if you pray for them, God will use them to bless you. Stand on your feet. We know you are blessed by that word of God and look forward to you joining the messages of the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams again. For more information on our events, books, and messages, please visit MDW Ministries Online at www.ndwministries.org or call our offices on plus one eight seven seven three six one five 
Once again, thank you for joining the Archbishop today. And may you continue to experience the life-transforming power of God's blessings.